You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, Episode 50. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rentschler as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello to all of you. Thanks for joining us for this milestone episode. We have reached episode 50. And that is exciting on so many levels. First of all, it does not seem that long ago to me that I was looking at my iTunes page for the Star Coach Show, thinking, oh my gosh, we have like hardly any episodes compared to these other podcasts that have just a page full of episodes. And now I look at my page and think, wow, you know, we have 50 episodes. So that's exciting. I know that there's episodes that have been around, or not episodes, but shows that have been around a lot longer than mine that will have more episodes than mine. But I continue to be committed to growing this podcast and bringing it to you each week with our fabulous guests. And I just want to thank you for being a part of that because this is, you know, a big milestone to me. Other milestones that are right around the corner, our one-year anniversary is almost here. And as I have put out there and asked, I would encourage you to think about who you know that might benefit from this show, who might be willing to spend some time with our guests and learning more about coaching, not only willing to, but excited to get some information from the show and to become part of our audience. And if you know people, could you send them a link to the show? Could you let them know about the Star Coach Show? I have a goal to get 10,000 downloads by our one-year anniversary, and I believe that we can do that easily if our dedicated listeners think about who else they know that would really benefit from the information being shared on the show. So thanks for helping us hopefully meet that milestone as well. And then just this next week, we're going to be opening up the Star Coach membership site. So we will have members-only content, trainings that will help us stay on our toes with our coaching skills, with business building, and those will be live trainings every month. We're also going to have lots of other interactive stuff, community building. It has so much content that I can't wait to share it with all of you. And you're going to want to really be tuned in because our launch specials will never be repeated and they're really exciting. So that's another milestone right around the corner. And I couldn't think of a better guest to share this milestone episode with than our guest today, Steve Soslin. Steve is the Chief People and Performance Officer and founder of the Center for Values Guided Leadership at the University of North Texas Health Science Center. Now, while at UNTHSC, which is the University of North Texas Health Science Center, Steve 
works on development and implementation of a values culture. And that includes coaching of faculty and staff team members. It also includes leadership development at all levels from people aspiring to be leaders in their organization to the executive, you know, in the senior executives and succession planning, which really ensures a sustainable culture. Steve comes to the show today sharing about building a coaching culture in not just one organization, not just at University of Texas Health Science Center. Steve comes to the show today to share about building a coaching culture in not just one organization. He hasn't just built a coaching culture at UNT Health Science Center, but he's also shares an incredible story about building a coaching culture in a hospital setting. Steve shares with incredible authenticity and vulnerability, and I don't think you're going to want to miss this episode. Whether you're an internal coach, an external coach, whether you even do coaching at all, learning from the willingness that Steve has to share openly about struggles and obstacles overcome is truly moving and and I think we can all grow from it. So let's listen to our interview with Steve Soslin. I want to welcome Steve Soslin to the show today. Steve Can you tell the audience a little bit about you, sort of like, yeah, I know you work at the UNT Health Science Center in Fort Worth and are responsible for the coaching program that's taking root and really growing there. So share a little bit about what you do there with us, please. Terrific. Well, Meg, first of all, thanks for including me in the Star Coach program. I'm an active listener, a big fan of yours and the program, so it's an honor for me to be here today. At the Health Science Center in Fort Worth, we're on a journey, and the journey that we're on is to establish a values culture. It's kind of a hot word right now in terms of culture and positive culture. We even hear coach culture, values culture. We hear a lot of that right now. We are in our fourth year of the journey. And for us, this is something that brings our team together, both to achieve higher performance as well as sustainability. And and I can get into more of that in terms Mm -hmm. of how we've done it. My specific responsibilities are all of those things that would contribute to changing the culture of an organization from what was previously described as fear of retaliation, fear of retribution, and transition to a positive values culture. That includes leader development at four different levels within the organization. It includes alignment around our values, which would include, which that in contributing to the alignment means that we have to have a hiring practice that brings people on board that are already aligned with the values. So it involves hiring. Certainly for the sustainability portion, not only does that get into succession planning, but coaching becomes the gel. That's the glue that holds everything together. Without coaching, we cannot bring all of these different components together to establish the culture that we want. 
how did the organization get to that place of realizing coaching is the element, the glue that's going to pull everything together and create that clarity? So let me give you a quick overview of my background and then talk to you about another organization. And I think that that will bring us to the Health Science Center. Okay, excellent. I'm actually in my fifth industry. I started out in the U.S. military. I was an Army infantry officer after graduating from West Point, and I spent 11 years on active duty. I happened to work and have been fortunate enough to work for some of the most incredible leaders I've known in my life and work in really high values organizations in terms of the subunits that I was in in the Army. The Army has seven values they ascribe to, but it, more importantly, at each of those individual levels, I worked for really great leaders that instilled those values in all of the soldiers with whom I had the opportunity to work. That was the first industry. I had a 20-year business career that transcended two different industries. Uh, I worked for PepsiCo, which was a, a fabulous way to learn business after I left the Army. And then I worked for a corporate recruiting firm, a search firm, where I had a chance to conduct over 20,000 interviews in 13 years. Wow. A lot of great companies, but I was also responsible for the cultural alignment within our own company, as well as working with great cultures of other companies that exhibit those. And then finally, I had a chance to come to healthcare. That would, that's my fourth industry. So when I came to healthcare, I came at the invitation of another really great future-focused uh, visionary leader who told me that he had a hospital where he was CEO, invited me to come as the chief operating officer. And I had to ask him, well, wait, Mike, why in the world would you want me to be a chief operating officer of a hospital. I've never worked in healthcare. I don't even like walking into a hospital. And he said, well, that's exactly why. He said, I want somebody with a fresh perspective, somebody that doesn't know hospitals to come in and help us to really establish a positive culture. So I asked him about the current culture and he said the same thing we found here in Fort Worth. He said, the culture is really a fear culture. It's a fear of retaliation. And I want to change that. I asked him what else he was interested in. He said, well, I know that you've been involved with coaching in your career, and I'd really like to bring coaching to this organization. He said, we've never had a leader development program, and I'd like to have a leader development program. So with that, I was incredibly interested. In oh, this. yeah. And, and I also like to learn. So to be able to bring it to a new industry, to be able to come to healthcare, that was exciting. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to understand is that because I think this may relate to some of your listeners. To say that we were a mediocre organization would probably be a high compliment. Oh, Actually, of the 6,500 or so hospitals in the U.S., we were ranked in the bottom third. So we were well below average when we started this journey. And over time, with the support and leadership of the CEO, mm -hmm. the operating officer, we were able to start transforming the organization. But it all had to go hand in hand. The leader development piece was really critical. We needed to identify who were the leaders that were going to buy into Mike's vision of where we were headed. Exactly. So you had that champion. And over and over again, I hear how important it is to have somebody high up in the organization who truly believes in the vision. And really, that's one of the, you know, leadership exemplary behaviors is, is to model the way and to, and to have that vision. So he, your CEO brought you in with that vision. You came in as the COO, you shared that vision. And then we're looking at what other leaders will come on board and own the vision and model the vision. That's exactly right. And then the next step after seeing and getting 
if you would, some early adopters, some people uh-huh. that we knew were going to come on board emotionally because they've been waiting for that. That was a core group we could build on. And from that, we wanted to identify what were the core values of the organization? Because Meg, here's what I've learned, come to understand. Leaders drive values, not by naming them, but by creating a culture that allows people to live their own values. Absolutely. And so leaders drive values, values drive behaviors, and it's those collective behaviors that define the culture of an organization. And only then will we be able to become high performing. So the culture became really important. Mm-hmm. Coaching, again, is that gel throughout all of those layers. So once you determined that, how did you then begin to sort of systematically build coaching into that culture? I mean, you, you created that foundation, you created the support. What were some of the things you did to muscle up the coaching, to kind of uh, strengthen the coaching? Well, we identified those people who are already good coaches in the organization. Mm-hmm. The who of our internal leaders, those early adopters to the vision, mm-hmm. who were already using coaching. And I did that through interviewing. I interviewed the leaders. I interviewed the, their team members. Mm-hmm. I identified what their coaching style and what their leadership style was. And I looked for those people who were leading with a coaching style, using coaching as a leadership style. Mm-hmm. When I found that, then I was able to work with that group and I identified some what we call coaching champions. And these would be those who would help us teach coaching throughout the organization. And once we did that, then the other thing we did was we started hiring external credentialed coaches, ICF credentialed coaches, to be able to serve as the coaches for our executive team to keep them aligned with where we were headed. We worked with a team of people and we identified the core values. So Bill George wrote a book in 2007. The title of the book was True North. A lot of organizations have adopted that. I know everybody else is listening, but you can see I'm wearing a lapel pin that has a compass rose on it to remind us we're on a journey. In in Bill George's book, he, he titled it True North, and he says that inside of every one of us is an internal moral compass. And that the North Arrow points to the values and principles we hold dear. What we did was we gathered people together from all over the organization, different levels of leadership, frontline team members, senior leaders, and we had two community members as well. Now, these community members had suffered from our worst leadership and the worst experience that we could have given them. One of them, we actually killed her husband. Oh, my goodness. Through medical harm. Oh, my goodness. So it was someone who was at risk of falling. We didn't take the proper precautions. He fell out of bed. He died of complications of a blood clot. The other person we invited, so we invited this patient's wife. Okay. We invited the father of a 13-year-old boy who died in our care, not because of patient harm, not because of a medical error, but the treatment, the patient experience was horrible. Okay. But when we approached them, which were two of the most difficult conversations I think I've ever had. Oh, I can only imagine what courage it took to reach out to those two. Well, it was important. Yeah. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Right. It's the realization that something else is more important. Right. We knew we never wanted to harm patients like this again. So we invited these two people to come on board and help us with our journey to establish the culture we wanted. And after really thinking about it, they came on board, were two of the most valuable people on our team. With each individual, we asked them, what's your true north? What are the values and principles that you grew up with that define the person you are? And then we worked to find out what we had in common. That became the core. Before we could really accelerate coaching, we had to understand how were we going to define our values that would then drive the behaviors we were looking for. 
because we identified the values. We came together to say, okay, what are the acceptable behaviors around each of these values that prove we're living them? Once we had that, in order to define the culture, we needed coaching at that point to be able to say, okay, we can coach around these behaviors and we can help people to understand the values that drive how they act. Mm-hmm. And if we need behavioral change, we can work through that. And so, while you did this within a hospital system, I can certainly see that this process, uh, identifying core values and identifying the people that you serve and, and what's important for them is going to be important regardless of the industry. This is a very transferable kind of concept. Meg, what industry can, can you think of that this would not apply? I can't. I cannot Indeed. think. Right. I can't either. That's why I believe coaching transcends industries as well. And we don't have to get locked into one industry to make this work. Absolutely. So bottom line of the hospital story is that within three years, we were went from being named number 4,700 out of 6,500 hospitals to number one in the nation for patient experience. That happened in December, 2012. Wow. We started a journey uh, towards the Malcolm Baldridge Award. And in 2014, Hill Country Memorial Hospital in Fredericksburg, the hospital we've been talking about, was one of two hospitals in the nation to be awarded the Malcolm Baldrige National Quality Award. Wonderful. That C- Our CEO, Mike Williams, was asked to come take over the president role at the UNT Health Science Center in Fort Worth. He invited me to come join him here after he was named. I asked him, why in the world would you want me to do that? I've never I did. higher education. <laughs> <laughs> And he said he wanted to try an experiment. Let's see if we can do the same thing we did at a hospital. Let's bring it from small town to big city. Let's bring it from a team of 700 to a team of 4,000. And let's change industries and let's see if this will work. And I'll give you one of my failures as well. Okay. So I think the challenge is scale. What I've learned is that to change a culture, a reasonable expectation is about one year per thousand people. So going from a team that was a little less than a thousand, where we saw huge strides in a year, I had a false expectation we'd be able to move faster than I actually could here. And so, as I said, we're on the fourth year of our journey now. And I think this year will be the year that we really go over the tipping point and we'll see great acceleration into and great momentum into this journey. We've had a lot of positive experiences, but it didn't happen as nearly as quickly as I thought it might coming from a smaller organization. Mm-hmm. So one is scale. The second is in the mid 60s, a guy named Everett Rogers developed something called the diffusion of innovation curve. Now, not everybody's heard of Rogers' work, but they probably know what it is that he did. Because what he said is that when we lead major change of any organization, people naturally fall out in these different groups. We have the innovators, about two and a half percent of the population. Then we get these early adopters. Some people call them the first followers. So this group of first followers, the early adopters become really important because they're the ones that can help accelerate the journey, like these coach champions. Mm -hmm. You've got the majority split into two groups, early and late majority. And finally, we get the laggards. These are the real cynics, the ones we may never convert to to the change. Mm -hmm. So here's the mistake I made. The failure I had was that I failed to distinguish between early majority and laggards. And I learned some of the most valuable lessons. So if I go back to these people trying to get them on board with a new culture, The early adopters come on board emotionally. They're the ones who say, wow, I'm so glad you're here. This is what we've been waiting for. I hated the way we were treating each other. I really want to go to something positive. Okay, great. 
That's about 13.5% of the population. And we can use them because others will follow the first followers. Okay. They, they become the people we use. Well, then we get the majority. Well, the early majority, about 34% of a population, do you know what motivates them? What? They want to know why. They're skeptics, uh-huh. not cynics. They're skeptics. They're asking They're questions like, well, Meg, what? yeah, exactly. Meg, why are we doing this? How's this different than, than what we did last month? Mm-hmm. And or the two I, times before that. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how's this going to impact my team? Okay, the, the late majority, that other 34% of the majority, you know what motivates them? They never want to be left out of the crowd. Ah. We get them for free. If we can get the early majority, we get the second half for free. And what about the laggards? Well, the laggards ask really similar questions to the early majority. They're asking, why are we doing this? How's this different from the last thing we did? Isn't this just another flavor of the month? And what's in it for me? Now, not what's in it for my team, but what's right. in it for me. for me. The mistake I made was I labeled people. I spent time labeling the laggards when now, as I would help someone else through this, I would mentor them by saying, don't even worry about the laggards. Keep explaining why. Mm-hmm. Explain why to everybody. People will fall out into the natural categories. Let them fall out where they will. Some people may need to hear why for two years before they come on board. And that, that's what I've learned. Okay, then that's an excellent sort of mentor point. The other thing that became real clear to me as you were saying that is the importance of your clarity, the importance that you you know the why, that you have it very clearly laid out because you're going to be repeating it again and again. So the clearer and the more confident you are about what you're doing and the reasons behind what you're doing and the benefit to the organization or the hopeful, the hoped benefit is needing to be really clearly established because you are going to be repeating it again and again. And the more confident you are in that, the more people are going to believe what the message that you're portraying. Exactly. And it was really critical that in early on that we did the same thing we did the hospital in terms of the coaching champion. We just needed more of them. Right. You have more people to touch. Right. And so I want to go back. And so in terms of formal training, uh, I had the opportunity to meet Bill Barron. Bill was uh, working as head of HR for uh, UT Southwestern. He was in Dallas. I was in Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. I actually met through a mutual friend. I had a chance to see him teach. And I actually went to one of his classes. He was teaching on a Saturday at uh, Dallas. Yes. So when I saw him at University of Texas, Dallas, I saw what he was doing. So anyway, it was a great experience. And then I got a chance to really understand the power of the credential with the International Coach Federation. So I've worked and and now I'm at the PCC level. So I think it's important that, especially in, in an institution of higher education where degrees and credentials are important, and some organizations are going to be more important than others. And there are a lot of good coaching organizations, but it's the integrity, the ethics, the expectations of the standards, the 11 core competencies that are part of ICF. Those are also part of our coaching program. So even for those coaches that work internally that are not yet credentialed through Mm -hmm. ICF, they are coaching with those 11 core competencies. We've broken them up into a three-phase, three-step program. So you have coaches that are being trained externally as well as building up an internal program so that the people who are being coached are, are really getting some solid 
and there's a continuity or a sort of a standard across the board for your people and for what your leaders are getting. Actually, I say what your leaders are getting. Who is, who has access to the coaching in your organization? Yeah, thank, thanks for asking. So for our most senior leaders for the C-suite, we are actually paying for external coaches and we have external ICF credentialed coaches. Then I talked, I told you that we have four leader development programs. Mm -hmm. So we have credentialed coaches for those that are going through the top two leader development programs. And we want to provide them a higher level of coaching because they have the ability to influence so many more people within the organization. So the leader development programs were things that you also were a part of developing. This yeah. is so. If I ask, like Steve, what all did you do? That that is part of the structure and the and the organizational flow that you brought with this coaching culture. True. That's right. We founded the Health Science Center, the HSC Leadership Institute. And in that Leadership Institute, we brought initially the first leader development program was actually called Leader 125, Leadership 125. And, and that took the 125 middle managers. Okay. And gave them re- And we give them regular monthly leadership. It's interesting because that's where a lot of the dysfunction was in the organization. I think others may find that as well, is that it's the dysfunction exists in the middle management. I, in fact, I would describe us as a constipated organization. <laughs> We've got these great, great ideas at the top. We have uh-huh. really good frontline team members, and somewhere in the middle, we're stuck. Okay, so you identified that, and you came up with what can we do to address the place where we feel the constipation, the place where we maybe there isn't as much flow. Exactly. So we, we started with them first, even though we had people that were new supervisors or or wannabe supervisors that were clamoring for leader development. And when I arrived, there was actually a movement to start the first leader development program at that level. And I put it on hold. I said, the risk we have is that we train these frontline team members on leadership and we give them things that nobody else in the organization knows. And then they may be resented by their bosses. So we focused on the the middle supervisors first. Then we went senior to that and, and have two other levels above that. And then we focused on the program that we launched last year called Inspire. And these are for the aspiring new leaders. And it is a, that's the most fun program to, to work in. One of the things that speaks to the success of what you've been able to do, even though everything continues to kind of grow, is that you your organization won the PRISM Award. I was there when your organization won and heard your, your talk about the way that coaching is influencing so many different facets of your organization. It was really exciting to hear coaching have that kind of impact. So I just want to kind of give you recognition for being the winner of the PRISM Award through the ICF North Texas chapter. And on behalf of the organization, I will say thank you. It, this was absolutely the teamwork of the best team I've ever worked with. And Jesse Johnson, who graduated also from the UT Dallas program, just got her ACC credential. Good it for her. Is uh, really the, the kind of the mastermind behind the coaching program and has done just a phenomenal job of, of bringing that alive. Uh, one of our passions, one of my passions uh, when I came on board was to blow up our annual evaluation system. Blow it up. Blow it up altogether. I've never seen an effective one in all the organizations that I've been in. I, I have never seen an effective annual evaluation. 
It's usually used for one of two reasons. It's used to determine how much of a pay raise to give somebody, or it's used when we want to fire someone to go look at the track record of what's been written about them. And HR uses it as a check the block. But in terms of motivating them for future improved performance, I haven't seen that work. So we're replacing our annual evaluation with coaching. So we have quarterly coaching that happens. So we have where we sit down and and require our leaders to go through formal coaching, which is focused on goals that the individual team member sets and the coach works with them on, on the goal setting. The goals must be aligned with the strategic plan of the organization. And the coach works with them on closing the gap between current performance and where they want to be in the future. And so that's been a big part of the acceleration during our annual performance feedback session, mm-hmm. fourth of the coaching sessions. We actually have a, on the electronic form, we have both the coach and the a coachee address what, how they've used coaching and what role coaching has played in the previous year. So we get a sense of who's using coaching and who's not. Mm-hmm. Who's using it effectively and who's not. And we have both sides talking about it separately and they don't see each other's input until until they sit down for the coaching session. What are some indicators for, that you're looking for to indicate that somebody is effectively using coaching? Three things. Okay. So we're looking for a lower turnover rate, which mm-hmm. I think is important for all organizations. And we split turnover into the overall turnover rate for the department, but also turnover for those who've been on board less than one year. Okay. We feel like that's really important that that should be near zero. Because if, we're, if we've incorporated the value screen into our hiring process, if we assign coaches from their very first day of employment, we should see turnover really drop. So turnover rate is one. Mm-hmm. The second is an increase in the number of internal promotions. We had very few internal promotions when we started the cultural journey. We don't want it to go to 100%. We, we always need fresh eyes. Right. But it never will be. We'll have attrition. We'll have other things. But we want to see a higher percentage and get more parity of internal versus external hires, internal promotions versus external hires for our leader positions. Excellent. Then the third is a reduction in the negative events, the reduction in claims of harassment, claims of, you know. Hostile workplace. Hostile work, exactly. Hostile workplace is a great example of that. So we should see, because our culture is improving, we should see benefits there that are also translate to higher performance and financial benefit. And overall, we measure with an annual engagement score. We, use the, we happen to use the Gallup, what they call the Q12, the 12 questions on the Gallup survey, and we use net promoter score. Okay. So you're able to pull that together. Now, when you were talking about letting go of the performance evals, meaning at the leader level, or are you saying that everybody in your organization gets a coach, all 4,000? I'm saying all 4,000. Wow. That so is- we started a student leadership academy. We've got mm-hmm. students and we're working on a pilot program through our student affairs division right now to start a coaching pool. So this was another great learning for us. And I would call it we're in coaching 1.0. We decided that we would train all supervisors to use coaching so that they could adopt coaching as one of their leadership styles. Excellent. That was phase one. Mm-hmm. The problem with phase one is what happens when an employee has a problem with their supervisor? 
and they would like some coaching around how to approach their supervisor. But if their supervisor is their assigned coach, you see the problem. Right. Oh, I see the problem. Yes. So what Jesse has done is she has formed a coaching pool. And what we're trying to do is in is populate that pool with our very best coaches from around the organization who are now willing to coach anyone. And we've piloted in those leader development programs. So the leader development programs had coaches from around the organization, like that Inspire program I told you about. Right. They've got assigned coaches, but they were able, we were able to match them with people from other places in the organization. What we're working on now in coaching 3.0 is we want to be able eventually to get to where everyone in the organization is required to have a coach, but they get to pick from the pool and they get to and have matching. And we actually are working with an external organization to develop a mobile app for matching coaches with team members. How exciting. And once we develop that, that's something that we'll make available to external organizations as well to be able to adopt a, a mobile coaching app where somebody can pull up a list of coaches on their mobile device and coaches can pull up a list of those looking for coaches and we can figure out how to match. So how do you, with the philosophy of everybody is going to be coached, work around the potential problem of people feeling like they've been sentenced to coaching or that, you know, so, so how do you as an organization keep people excited and pumped about this? Three ways. First of all, we talk about it a lot as senior, as a senior leader in the organization, I proudly talk about the fact I have a coach and what I've learned from my coach and the fact that I have a confidential relationship with my coach. The second thing is we emphasize the positive nature of coaching, and we start that during new employee orientation. I lead new employee orientation, but in most cases, it's well attended by our cabinet, our C-suite, and President Mike Williams and the rest of the cabinet. They attend and rotate through. We always have cabinet members at every new employee orientation, and we introduce coaching to every new employee. And you're letting them know from the get-go how important they are because the C-suite is coming through and saying hello and being a part of their orientation. And we're there talking to them and introducing coaching to them from the beginning as a positive tool for helping with goals. The other thing is we're de-emphasizing the word, using the word coaching. This is the third thing. We de-emphasize using the word coaching for remedial. Right. We need another leadership style. We need other types of conversations. So we have those conversations as well. We have performance improvement plans. We have some of the traditional things that leaders in HR work on together. But for moving people up in the organization, for focusing on their strengths, for helping them to get in the right seat on the bus, coaching is really effective. And you obviously have leveraged that and brought your expertise from your years of experience in all the different organizations you've worked within. And I have to say, the number of people with military backgrounds coming through, at least in my experience, coming through trainings has increased over the years that I've taught. It just seems to be one of the things that maybe naturally attracts, or I, I'm not exactly sure, but when, you know, that that's in your background, that's in many different coaches' backgrounds who, who you know, whether it's their, their third life or their fourth life, their their fifth life, you know, choosing to do some coaching has been an interesting development for me to see over the years that I'm getting more and more students who have a military background. You know, maybe uh, maybe a future session we could do together would be around that. Uh, I actually can give you the history of why of when the moment in time when we changed the way we taught leaders and we started using coaching within the military and why. 
but it has to do with the end of the Cold War. Oh, that's a that's a great teaser. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Steve back to talk to us about that because my interest was just piqued. So, Steve, thank you. Thank you for sharing this incredible vision and success that you've had. I know it's a continuous process. It isn't everything. You know, we want to continue to grow and learn and, and tweak as we go along, but you've done some great things there. And taking the time to share those with us is very appreciated. Well, it's my pleasure. And thanks for letting me tell the story of the great people with whom I work and that have really made this happen. I've just been along for the ride. So thank you. Thank you so much. Great. Steve had such wonderful information to share that I really didn't want to stop our interview. But of course, all good things must come to an end. And I once again want to thank Steve for sharing so openly and honestly about the challenges and the successes in creating a coaching culture. If you'd like to know more about Steve Soslin or about the Star Coach Show, visit starcoachshow.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the free book giveaway on our contact page and shoot me a note about what you like about the show and what you'd like to see more of. The membership site will be opening this next week. You are going to want to check that out. There is so much content and good stuff. And like I said, launch specials that will never be repeated. So check us out at starcoatshow.com for information about the membership site. I also want to let you know that this podcast is now available on YouTube as well. So if it's easier for you to access episodes through YouTube, look up Star Coach Show, Meg Rentschler on YouTube, and all the episodes are available on YouTube. So thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for being a part of this milestone episode with us. And please let your friends and co-workers and other coaches know about the Star Coach Show so that we can continue to grow and flourish as we get close to beginning our second year of the show. This is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a wonderful week.